Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 3 to 4. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alight on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down to and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the expectations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are looking at stories from the life of Jesus, particularly stories of his relationship with the people he lived with and interacted with. I'm excited about this series. In these stories, Jesus' life will focus on Jesus' humanity. I want us to see Jesus, who he was, like us in every way. He ate, he enjoyed meals, he was tempted. He was hungry, he was happy, he was angry, he was grieving, he was weeping, and he was loving. In today's first lesson on the life of Jesus, we trace the limited information we have from his earliest days up to the age of 30. We begin with Mary and Joseph returning from their dedication of Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem, heading back to their hometown. Yes, Jesus and his family had a hometown, Nazareth. It's a small village in Galilee, or at least it was in those days. Luke tells us that Jesus grew up like a normal child, and he had a place he called home. By the way, the Gospels use the term Jesus of Nazareth 17 times, so the home was obviously significant. 
Luke says he was healthy and strong, filled with wisdom. And we're going to come back to wisdom shortly. And the favor of God was with him. Jesus' parents were significant in his development. His mother Mary, like good mothers everywhere, was particularly active in his life from his birth right to his crucifixion and his resurrection. Joseph, his father, was a carpenter, and Jesus no doubt learned the trade from him. By the way, my father was a carpenter. I didn't learn much in the trade from him, but... <laughs> in Matthew 13, uh, we read, someone in the crowd calls out, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Jesus grew up in a regular family and experienced normal family life. Four brothers? I had four brothers. I wonder if he wrestled, if he argued, if he played with them. I expect that he did. I just picture Jesus with brothers like I have brothers. We next see Jesus at the age of 12, early adolescence. His parents took him to the temple in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And if you remember, when they left to go back home, they assumed that Jesus was with the extended family somewhere up ahead. But he wasn't. And when his parents found out, of course, they hurried back to the city and eventually found him in the temple. And what was he doing? He was listening and asking questions. Listening and asking questions. And his mother, like a typical mother everywhere, calls out, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. How normal. Anxious parents worried about their child. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But again, like normal parents, they do not understand the early adolescent. Well, when Jesus returns to, to their home with his frustrated parents, Luke says he was obedient to them. He was not a rebel. He was obedient. Mary treasured all these things in her heart, Luke says. I wonder, did she keep these experiences there so that many years later she was able to share them with Luke, who wrote the gospel story? Some scholars at least believe that Luke got much of his information for his gospel from Mary. I like it. And we read again that Jesus grew in wisdom. Wisdom is not the same as intelligence. It means that Jesus was deeply curious, observing life, all of life, asking appropriate questions and pondering answers. By the way, I live with a woman 
who tells me that wisdom comes from making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. I wonder, did Jesus learn from his mistakes? I bet he did. And he grew in stature. I wonder, did they put a pencil mark on the door frame for each year that he grew? We did that with our kids. I love the ordinariness of Jesus' childhood. As a result of his growth and development as a child and a teenager, he does now identify with your children and grandchildren in a most significant way. Keep that in mind as you relate to your children. This is what Jesus was like. Well, until the age of 30, Jesus remained in his hometown, probably working as a carpenter. At the age of 30, he moved into public ministry. The three synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, begin his public ministry with his baptism by John the Baptist. John struggled with consenting to, to, to baptize Jesus. See, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And so no wonder he says to Jesus, I should be baptized by you. Yet here is Jesus standing in line with tax collectors and sinners and the unrighteous religious leaders whom John called a brood of vipers, standing in line waiting to be baptized. What was Jesus doing in the murky waters of the Jordan, aligning himself with shameful humanity? Ah, this is where God steps in. As Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens are torn open, Mark at least uses the term torn open, and the Spirit of God in the form of the dove descended on him. And a voice calls out, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. So God begins Jesus' public ministry by naming and claiming him. You are my son. Paul, writing in Galatians 4, says, Because we all are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And we are also the beloved. In Colossians 3, Paul says, as God's chosen, holy, and beloved. That's us. What was it that pleased God about Jesus' baptism? Well, I would suggest it was not the act of baptism itself, but his radical public solidarity with the rest of humanity. Instead of holding himself apart, instead of protecting his own purity, he stepped into the same water we stand in, or the water poured or sprinkled on us. He fully associated his rep reputation and destiny with ours. To join in Jesus' baptism story is to embrace the truth 
that we are united, interdependent, connected. We are one with him. By the symbol of baptism, we are also connected to all other members of this church, of the church in this country, in this community, and the church universal. So we are connected to the conservative Mennonites, to the Anglicans, to the Pentecostals, to the Catholics, throughout Canada and the US and through South America and Africa, Europe and Asia. Our baptism symbolizes our belonging to the body of Christ around the world. The bond God seals by water of baptism and by the Spirit is deeper than all other bonds. It makes a stronger claim on our lives and loyalties than claims of race, gender, tribe, nationality, politics, or denomination. Baptism asks that we bear all the risks of belonging. The risk that others might hurt us. The risks that others will change and the risks that we might change. Sadly, many people reject baptism because they don't want to be joined by others. They don't want to be challenged and changed by others. So they keep their independence uh, God's response to Jesus' choice to be baptized was, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Are you in? Well, following the baptism, ba his baptism, the gospel writers tell us that at once Jesus was led. Mark says Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. By his baptism, Jesus set an example of unity with the sinners of the world. But in the wilderness, we have Jesus showing us how to endure the challenges of wrestling with the works of the evil one. At his baptism, Jesus heard the absolute truth about who he was. That was easy. But the much harder part came in the desert, when he came face to face with every vicious, mocking assault on that truth, you are my son, the beloved. As the memory of the voice of God faded in the background, and the isolation of the wilderness played tricks on Jesus' heart and mind, he had to learn that his belovedness would still hold. He learned that God's deep and unconditional delight was not dependent upon external circumstances. We all have wilderness experiences, and alone we cannot survive the temptations of the wilderness, but together with Jesus, who knows the way, staying beside us as a companion, we can survive. Most of the time, we don't choose to enter the wilderness. We don't volunteer for pain, for loss, for danger, for terror. But the wilderness happens to us anyway. 
whether it comes to us in the guise of the devastating COVID-19 pandemic, a frightening hospital stay, a broken relationship, the death of a child or a spouse, or a loss of faith. The wilderness appears unwelcome at our doorstep, and it may be God's own Spirit who drives us into the wilderness. I'm suggesting that the COVID-19 pandemic is a worldwide wilderness. I can't stand COVID-19, people say. I'm sick and tired of it. I want to get out. I want my children to be safe. And of course, some people get on a plane to Mexico and start the party on the plane, celebrating what they, that they have escaped the pandemic and the restrictions, and the wilderness catches them on the plane. Does this mean that God wills bad things to happen to us? That God wants us to suffer? No. Does it mean that God is ready to teach, shape, and redeem us even during the most barren periods of our lives? Yes. In God's plan, even the dangerous desert can become holy. This is not because God takes pleasure in our pain, but because we live in a chaotic, fragile, broken world that includes deserts, and because God takes the things of shadow and death and wrings resurrection out of them. Sometimes our wilderness journey lasts a long time, like the pandemic going on two years now. I've never spent 40 days in solitude and silence like Jesus did. Although the 40 days our daughter spent in a coma in a Toronto hospital certainly seemed endless. I can't imagine that Jesus' time in the wilderness passed quickly. Hyenas laughing through the night and jackals howling through the darkness. For those of us who live in impatient, quick-fix cultures, this aspect of the wilderness is daunting because we tire and despair so quickly. Why, we ask, why is this pain not ending? Why are our prayers not being answered? Where is God? Maybe we need to ask the harder question. Why did Jesus need the wilderness? Why do we need the wilderness? Those 40 days in the wilderness were a time for Jesus to decide who he was and how he would live out his calling and how he would practice his ministry. And the beloved son chose deprivation over power, vulnerability over rescue. At every instant in which he had, could have reached for the certain, for the extraordinary, for the miraculous freedom, he reached instead for the precarious, 
for the suffering, for the mundane. So, sometimes we, like Jesus, need long stints in the wilderness to learn what it really means to be God's beloved child. Because the truth is, we can be loved and uncomfortable at the same time. As we join with Jesus in the wilderness, may we also say, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Because then the devils will leave us and the angels will wait on us. And then we will be ready for the ministries God has prepared for us. Amen. <laughs>